Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. We are here uh, to talk about a bunch of games. Yes, you saw it right in the title. We're going to talk about Resident Evil 4 Remake. That's going to be later because we have a bunch of other games that we want to talk about first. I'll kick, I'll kick us off. Yeah, you're yeah. playing a game that I, I need to hear about because I've just seen I've seen it blowing up. I've been curious about picking it up and have not yet. I, I kind of had this thing in the back of my head that was like, this will come out for Switch eventually. But like, I have a Steam Deck. Why, why am I not just playing it? <laughs> yeah, I've been playing Pizza Tower. Uh, I almost said Pizza Tour because it's developed and published by Tour de Pizza. Uh, <laughs> so it's all kind of floating around. I've only played it for like an hour and a half. So this is a very, very much like a first impressions kind of segment. Mm. Um, but I, I, this is the first time I've felt like uh, sort of unsaid peer pressure to check out a game because... <laughs> It's been a long time since I've seen a a game of this size, like a, a pretty small team indie game, like blow up this much seemingly overnight. Yeah, I mean the game came out in January, and it is currently the top rated game on Steam for 2023, above Resident Evil 4 Remake and other huge productions. Pizza Tower is number one. I'm seeing it everywhere. That rules. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and so I didn't even really know like what it was. I I think it's the kind of game. You have to see or play to understand the appeal of. <laughs> you gotta um, see it to believe it, dear you listener. You gotta see it to yeah. Oh God, we're we're <laughs> killing it. Um, <laughs> uh, the pitch is essentially it's very very much inspired by Wario Land Four or sort of that era of Wario games that predated uh, Wario Wear but yeah. followed like Super Mario Land. And those games are really interesting because it was a very very brief era for Nintendo. Um, and I think Wario, those, you know, three and four were both really experimental platformers right. that had some really interesting ideas. So, like, I remember uh, Wario Land 3, that game Wario couldn't die, which was like a very bold <laughs> choice for a action platformer. You were just invincible. And that's canon. That <laughs> yeah, You actually can't kill Wario. Um, so they settle for tennis instead, instead of gladiator sports. <laughs> yeah, you can beat him, but you can't kill him. Right. So that it's like, okay, well then what is the threat then? Like what is sort of the fail state? Um, if you, if you can't like be defeated or killed <laughs> anyway, um, those games are really cool. I don't really have the same reverence for them. Other people do. Like I remember, um, was it for the DS or Game Boy Advance? I can't quite remember. I think it was the DS. Oh wait, no, it, that was the Game Boy Advance. Just going to double check. Yeah, it was. Um, thanks AJ. Yeah, so when we were doing Game Boy Advance, Wario Land 4 was like one of the most hyped up games. It feels like you just like texted AJ and you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Wario Land 4 was like really hyped up for me. And I, I don't want to be like the guy going like, I don't get it. But I, I, I didn't really get it. Like I just didn't really have that experience with it. And, you know, I'm not saying that one can't now, but I, I just didn't really know what like the appeal of it was other than just its kind of strangeness, which I did like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to dunk on it too much, but I, I liked it a lot as a kid and I had a harder time with it when we were playing it for the show. Yeah. Pizza Tower is essentially like I feel like as a game, it is the expression like I wish you saw yourself the way I see you. And I feel like it's <laughs> applying that to Wario Land 4. Like it's yeah. 
I'm kind of getting what the reverence was for that game in this interpretation of it. So mm. it's essentially like very, very much. And, and I think the developers are open about the Wario Land 4 kind of influence. But it's also kind of meshed up with like Sonic, Earthworm Jim, like that era of really strange platformers. And the look of the game, the animation, which I think is one of the selling points, is like very much Courage the Cowardly Dog or like Wacky Deli from Rocco. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it feels a lot like Rocco's Modern Life to me whenever yeah. I see it. Um, it's it's like deeply disturbing in a way that I, <laughs> that I, that I like, but I'm constantly unsettled by. Like, uh, And it's it reminds me too, I don't know if you ever played um, Hylix 1 or 2. Um, but I haven't, that, but I've seen them, yeah. It's really cool. I, I, I haven't played much of them, but just in terms of presentation, I, I recommend at least watching footage of those games. Hylix 1 and 2 are, it's an RPG series that is very much inspired by like, like 90s MTV claymation is the only thing that comes to mind. It's <laughs> like really weird, surreal. Uh, it, it's really cool. Like the music and the visuals. It reminds me a lot of like Primus at like that era of like 90s counterculture. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a bit of that here. Like this game is, even though it has sort of like a Nickelodeon influence it's like extremely surreal and unsettling like one of uh if you're just like in the lobby of the game where you're going to various doors that like kind of are portals to the levels there are just weird pizzas with faces hanging out and one of them is like if you kill pepino too often you can go to hell and it's like <laughs> i read is that Pepina in that the the main character pepino spaghetti is the main character yeah <laughs> that's great which feels like a a, a like courage the cowardly dogged version of mario it's yeah. like what if mario was in <laughs> one of these cartoon network or nickelodeon shows yeah um i mean it's it's i i think the the developer i think shared that the original idea was like, like a very like even more courage inspired horror game that took place in a pizzeria whoa so like the idle animation of pepino has those kind of big eyes and he's like shivering yeah um it's it's really impressive. Like, so again, like this is I would say the two biggest influences are Sonic and Wario Land Four because there's that Pepino also can't die. He can get hurt, um, and the game keeps track of how often that happens, which is eerie and weird. Things happen if it happens too often. Um, but the game, and this is something that a lot of reviews point out, the game lets you kind of approach it any way you want. So there is a score chase element if you want to really focus on that, like. The game basically gives you a letter score once you finish it, and I think it's really up to the player to determine how important you want that to be. It reminds me a lot of um, in Celeste, the Strawberries, where like throughout that game, strawberries are sort of placed in parts of levels that are hard to reach, and they seemingly have no purpose, but the game knows you're just like inherently going to want to get them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how this game is designed. Uh, it also reminds me, going back to Celeste, um, there's a Game Maker's Toolkit interview with Maddie Thorson, um, and they basically talk about how uh, when you're making a platformer, one of the most important things is just to make the act of moving fun. Like, remove the obstacles and the enemies. Like, is just moving around enjoyable? Mm -hmm. um, and that's really, like, that is the driving force of Pizza Tower. Like, the game, you know, there's sort of two distinct phases of a level. And in the first phase, you're kind of just approaching it however you want um like you can kind of move methodically through a level and like wait till enemies are facing away and you have sort of a wario tackle where you grab them and throw them um but you can also do like a sonic 
momentum based run that like once you have full momentum you can like crash into things and run up walls and like that's where the game like the way it handles momentum and when you choose to like turn and like face a different way or like body slam after running or just fly up is really really fun and it just kind of feels like pure chaos in the first part of the level um but once you get to the end and you destroy this pillar then there's like the escape phase where the music changes and you essentially have to get out of the level before I think like two minutes pass, but you can find items that like give you more time. Mm. Those escape sequences I think are where the game kind of fully comes to life because the music is just incredible. And the song that plays when you have to escape is so fun and exciting because the game is largely like weird and unsettling. And then it just becomes like really, really fun. Um, and the the level design also kind of comes to life where like once you are given a clear purpose and there is a fail state it kind of veers from being this like play however you want game to like you have a specific goal and you have to get there as quickly as possible mm. um and that that phase of it i think is where i i really really enjoy it because the, the first half i like but the set that that escape phase is is where it's a kind of why i'm playing it. it's almost like the reward for beating the level in some ways <laughs> yeah it's uh, like a little mini metroid uh, situation yeah exactly exactly Mid-level. yeah that sounds really cool uh is it like is it like a long game i know that's a weird question but it- i have no idea i mean i'm only a couple hours in i can't imagine it's super long but again i think that also depends on like how much you want to like perfect it like if you were yeah, just true. going through it or if you want to like get the best score on each level yeah um, i'm just curious because it's it feels a little bit uh cup heady in terms of how intensive that art style and animation must be to like keep going oh, for a yeah. long period of time and that was always one of the miraculous things about cuphead for me was like just the length of that game uh yeah and, and I'm, I'm curious about pizza tower in, in that regard yeah, it's 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 interesting too because again, like the the store page art looks very like MS Painty and is right. like the still and like so I'm like, what is this game? Like, why is it so popular? <laughs> but then like even just the main menu, like hearing the music and seeing Pepino like look at two or actually it's three TV screens where like when he's you're choosing your game file basically yeah um and he's like looking at a tv where he sees himself in the screen and is terrified um (laughs) it reminds me a lot of like uh i I love when games kind of have a creative approach to like choosing your save file like katamari Um, katamari but also uh uh banjo kazooie you just look at various parts of the house um and uh it's just I, i think this game is a testament to like this is a very, like, if you were to trace all the influences of this game, you know, Wario Land 4, uh, Retro Sonic games, like Earthworm Jim, these are all kind of very niche audiences. But I think one of the reasons this game is so successful in all ways is that, like, there is so much passion behind it and clearly so much work to, like, really deliver, like, what they consider their favorite pieces of all these games. Mm-hmm. It really does. It's it's another example of what we talk about often where, like, when you're making a game that is clearly referencing games of the past in like a very visible way, the more you pull from, the more it will become its own thing. Right. And that's very much what's happened here. Like if, if it was just doing the Wario of it, I think it, it wouldn't really take off the way it, it is in its current state when there's like so many weird ingredients, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, the, the pizza <laughs> of it all is manifesting. Wow. I f- yeah, I, f- I feel like we should end it there. That was like such a good final note. Oh, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's again, it's like a hard game to talk about because it's just so 
beyond belief in some ways. Yeah. It's like, how on earth did a small team make this? I also think it's it's cool that like that this game is the top rated game on Steam and it's it's made by a group a small group of passionate people as opposed to like these giant multi-million dollar, you know, triple A games. Not that they have to compete against each other, but I just think it's it shows that there is an audience for new ideas, you know, and and as much as this game is, you know, referencing games of the past, it does feel really fresh and really modern in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Um, I feel so. I feel like it's always nice to see an indie game kind of step up on that same pedestal as things like Resident Evil 4 remake. Right. For example. Yeah. <laughs> um weirdly weirdly similar now that I'm thinking about those two games actually in, in a strange way. In in terms of the the first bit you said about the idea of uh this game matching what people remember Wario to be, I feel like is what Resident Evil 4 is trying to do with that yeah. remake and uh, also ending each level with a letter grade, but we don't have to get that far into it. Um, it also kind of is another example of like GameCube and Game Boy Advance stuff just being in the air for whatever reason. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I do feel like we're in, we're in a really interesting space in 2023 specifically where like all of these huge AAA games that have been delayed to hell and back, you know, for various reasons. Uh, are all coming out this year like huge monumental experience i feel like we're waiting on starfield and final fantasy and there's like we were just talking before the show about how the the next uh uh, what is it jedi survivor comes out soon and Um, zelda and and zelda is this year (laughs) etc etc but also there are a lot of like really big indie hits happening you know even like you have the the ones that come out of nowhere like pizza tower and then you also have the ones like actually i could just get into the one i was going to talk about which is yeah. storyteller which is a game that's been in development for about like 15 years apparently and has been shown off you know more than once at like uh the independent games festival and stuff and has like won a bunch of awards and it's like early prototypes and then everyone was just like where is this thing and uh, as it turns out it was mostly by one guy uh, for a long time until he kind of hit a wall and was like, I really need to bring a team on to be able to finish this, um, which I think was a smart move. He, he teamed up with uh, Annapurna Interactive, which allowed him to get like a couple extra people on staff so they could solve some of the design problems in this game. But if you don't know what Storyteller is, um, I, I think I talked about it a little bit during the um, Steam Next Fest. It was one of the demos that I played. Yeah. I played that in Dredge, which is another one of these indie games that like, I think is going to be a huge hit as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Especially like we've already seen reviews of it and it's trending very, very well. So I, I'm excited for people to play that and I'm excited to play that full version. But I, I would say of Steam Next Fest, Dredge and Storyteller were the two I was the most excited about. And Storyteller is a puzzle game where you essentially have this book that has a bunch of empty comic book panels in it. And below the comic book panels, you have a bunch of locations and a bunch of people. And by dragging and dropping those locations and people into the different comic book panels, and like rearranging them and moving them around, you're telling a story. So, you know, an easy example would be like uh, Prince and Princess fall in love and get married, you know, and then you could just have like an empty field drop the prince and princess in there and that's the two of them meeting and they fall in love and then the next one you could just drop a chapel in and then drop them in there again and then they're married um and like that's a story but you could also get into like you know uh they're heartbroken for some reason so you can introduce like a third person into the into one of the panels and like kind of you know turn it into a love triangle that fucks it all up or uh you know it just escalates more and more and more and more the further into the game as with all good puzzle games that just like continues to build upon itself mechanically um and the ways in which it does it i think are interesting compared to other puzzle games because i feel like usually 
you'll go and play a puzzle game and they'll actually literally add more mechanics. And in this case, they're just adding more panels to the comics for the most part um, and then changing up what those locations and people are. Uh, so I, I'm almost done with the game at this point. Uh, it's it's not that long, um, which I, I appreciate. It's like 15 bucks and just feels like a cool thing you could like knock out in like a day or two maybe. Um, but where I'm at in the game right now, uh, there's a lot of stuff involving vampires and werewolves. Um, <laughs> and a lot of it kind of is pulling. What I really appreciate about this game is it's like pulling from your own knowledge of these things. So in the case of like the werewolf stuff, um, you know, you need to like take a guy who looks obviously like he is a werewolf and then put him on a cliff under moonlight, you know, so then he can transform into a werewolf. Uh, and then, you know, the next panel, you could make like a forest and the person that he's supposed to kill or something. Or alternatively, if it's like the werewolf gets killed, you know, you could like drop the guy, turn him into a werewolf and then have like a professor give somebody else a, a, a gun with a silver bullet in it and then put the forest there. Point being, the game just gets like more and more complex the further in you get and then starts to kind of turn your expectations on its head which i really appreciate as well because every once in a while you'll finish a level it'll be like okay uh you know baron murders king and becomes king you know that'll be like the thing um and then if you beat that level sometimes it'll add a little second addendum to it that's like but he's never met the king and then you need to figure out how to solve that exact same puzzle without having those two interact like at all um things like that uh which adds to just like this you know larger score i don't really think that the score or like trying to like quote unquote beat the game is really what matters at all what really matters to me and this is the case with all good puzzle games is just it's so open-ended and allows for so much creativity and so much interpretation of your own feelings about these different things and these different people yeah um for example there's like this uh kind of trifecta of people that are in the first few selections of levels um edgar isabel and uh oh my god i forgot the third person's name but it's essentially this like love triangle that continues throughout all of these different levels the further in you get um and and as you continue to go on and on and on through these levels you start to weirdly form attachments to these characters that like don't have any inherent personality they only have personality because you've given it to them based on the things you've made them do by solving puzzles which is so funny um i just think this game is like kind of kind of a miracle and kind of one of those experiences where when you play it you're like i can't believe nobody's done this before and and the reason that nobody's done it before is because it's so fucking hard to make it yeah. work the first game that came to mind was scribble knots and i feel like that game right. while it's really impressive how much data is in the game like how like anything you can write will come to life the puzzles feel really kind of loose because yeah. of that like there's almost too much openness that like it's like, oh, I said to get to the other side so I can write like helicopter and I did it. That doesn't really <laughs> feel like solving a puzzle. Yeah. But it sort of feels like, uh, you know, me in the playground going like, no, I have lasers, mm -hmm. you know, and that's <laughs> and it kind of makes the whole game dissolve. But this sounds like a better execution of that sort of idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been um, reading and listening to some interviews with the the lead developer um, and, and the vibe that I've gotten is basically like he made a really good demo. It won a bunch of awards. He was like, cool, I'm on the right track. And then the further into making the game he got, the more he realized that there were all of these design challenges that just like came up and, and made progress almost impossible because the game, I could totally see how you could totally fly off the rails with this game. Uh, and, and, and things could get so complex that like players have no idea what's going on, which is yeah. why I think it's so smart to root it all in like 
just love triangles or, you know, royalty or vampires and werewolves or things like that, that people already have attachments to mentally. So yeah. you, don't, you don't have to do this upfront work of like teaching people what a vampire is, you right. know? Um, I like how just slowly is becoming Twilight. It's like shit. (laughs) Am I just just retelling Twilight? Is that the story? It is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I just I just really appreciate how how well the game ramps up into its difficulty. Um, Yeah. It does. It does a really good job of teaching you without saying really anything up front, and then just kind of lets you off to the races. And there are there have been a couple puzzles where I've gone back and been like, I wonder if I can solve this a third way, even though the game isn't even asking me to. And like I can uh, because the game is kind of open ended enough to allow you to do that kind of stuff. Um, Or like, I wonder if I could do this with five panels instead of six, et cetera. Um, And they they do let you do that. Um, Yeah, it's really, really cool. I'm playing it on Switch, uh, which I really like because it allows you to use the touchscreen. Um, yeah, and it's really nice to just drag and drop stuff. So I imagine it'd be great on like PC or Steam Deck as well. Uh, but that's Storyteller. It's out now. It's awesome. It sounds great. Yeah, I um, I think that the openness to solving a puzzle, I think, is a really delicate balance. And yeah. I, I'm reminded, too, of like Breath of the Wild, where like in the Divine Beasts, like it's really exhilarating that there is like the intended way to solve puzzles. But the game does allow you to use creative approaches, too. Mm-hmm. I think kind of making it clear that like there is an intended way, but still allowing for possibilities, I think is the best approach. Cause that way it's not so open-ended. You're like, well, does anything work? Like you do have something to kind of guide you a bit. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. I, we're, we're just in this great era of indie stuff. Absolutely. And then like, like we said, dredge, I think is next week. And then also Terra nil, which is, uh, what what is being called i think the anti-city builder which is like you take down a city to let nature reclaim the earth hell yeah really cool idea i have one more game in our amuse bouche here hit me um, we're making great time and not to keep making this like a speed-based podcast it's <laughs> usually not our energy but we've talked about two games in 20 minutes that's pretty impressive for us I have a third game uh, before we get into our Resident Evil 4 segment, yeah, uh, which I imagine will be three hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nice knowing brevity while, while it lasted. Mm-hmm. One more game. Uh, this game is called Misericord, and this was a game that I purchased recently. Uh, a- after finishing Paranormasite, I decided that I wanted to get even more into visual novels, so I picked up like five or six on Steam. I love this for you. Um, this is great. Yeah, I'm really excited. There, there was another, uh, uh, I think... I think I'm not alone. I think Paranormasite has kind of opened a lot of people's minds to visual novels. Again, like obviously they've been popular for a long time, but I think it is a genre we don't have like a concrete understanding of in the U.S. So I'm trying to do my homework basically, but also check out new stuff. Um, and this is this is a brand new game. Um, this is developed and published by ZC, I believe it's X E E C E. It is pitched as a murder mystery. That takes place in the late 1400s at a monastery, I believe. Mm. And basically, uh, you play as an anchoress who is a... I actually didn't even know this was a thing. But in this era, in England specifically, there were anchorites and anchoresses who were people that lived in like isolated rooms in a church or monastery where they were essentially considered dead by the church. And they would just live in complete isolation and devote their entire lives to like uh, scripture and prayer and were considered living saints. Whoa. Um, So the only people that could contact them were like bishops, like only bishops 
had clearance to like show up and talk to them. Um, their food and everything would be brought to them through like a, a small part of the door. So it's really interesting role and you are the anchoress and what the game does really well is that it actually doesn't show you any other person until like an hour and a half in wow. maybe uh, maybe an hour I, I i i've played the game for three hours now so it took a while to start seeing characters um which i do think kind of puts you in their mindset pretty well and i i think in an eerie way not that you know, it was to this degree, obviously, but I think coming out of like a post quarantine world makes this hit harder in mm, some ways. Like yeah. just having to see and, and hear the character narrate like what it's like to see things for the first time or to see things, you know, for the first time in a while. Yeah. Um. So essentially the plot is that one of the nuns has been killed and basically the, the superior opens up your cell like against orders and is like, I actually need you to come out of this isolated life and become one of the nuns. Don't tell anybody what your real purpose is, but like, I need you to investigate this murder because you're the only person who couldn't have done it mm. because you've been <laughs> living your anchor. Yeah. Life. Wow. Um, so essentially the, the plot is that you've been tasked with leaving this life behind. And, and the anchor is pissed about that. Like you really, you consider it blasphemous that you're having to, be tasked to leave your cell right um and basically uh now you know all basically what's suspicious is that this nun was killed and all the nuns have agreed that it was this farm boy nearby and the superior is like the fact that everyone agrees is what's alarming to me Mm -hmm. like you know like it 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 could be that he's guilty but like i don't want to sentence this boy to death for for a murder he may not have committed so i'm basically and like i've played up to the point where i'm starting to meet the other nuns and kind of getting like more of an ace attorney ensemble of like strange and and likable and unlikable characters and what's really cool is that this game has a really excellent trip-hop soundtrack um and there's like unreal a ton of music and the (laughs) the look of it looks very like black and white oberdin a lot of the early game is just seeing shots of like, you know, the light coming into your anchorous cell or, you know, the very, very beginning is a conversation between two like aristocrats and you don't see them either. Mm. Um, the writing is excellent. The music is incredible. This game is significantly less, at least so far. And this is also, it's worth noting. This is volume one of what I imagine will be a series. I don't know how long it is and I don't know if it will, become more interactive as I like learn more and maybe I'm tasked more with like solving this mystery. Um, but I've seen the creator of it also pitch it as a kinetic novel. And under that lens, the the game is very much more like a Kentucky route zero experience where it's predominantly reading Mm. and, but it's aided so much by the visual style and the music that it doesn't feel boring or taxing. Like I'm fully gripped by like three hours just flew by while playing it. So it's cool to get this style of visual novel after playing something like Paranormal Sight that is way more interactive and is gamifying things in an interesting way. This is basically a comic <laughs> in some ways, yeah. but it's still utilizing the medium of games to, you know, its advantage. You know, having the music, having the visuals, having what I imagine will eventually be an element of agency over the character. Mm. And uh, I just I think it's really cool. Um, I saw it plugged by Lena Rain on Twitter. 
which is how I knew its existence. And uh, I'm a huge fan immediately. So I'm really excited to see how this series develops. This sounds amazing. Yeah, I, you it's sent really me cool. uh, the Steam page yesterday and I was just looking at screenshots of it. it I, I think you, you, made it, you might have even undersold how like stunning visually this game is yeah it's like really 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 beautiful um i really want to check it out i'm like all in on it i think i think you'll love it because i think it, it has a lot like i think it has the style of photography i know you like yeah and it's just it's a really interesting blend of genres because on one hand like it does and it reminds me a bit of um pentiment in this way where like it takes place i was gonna say like post pentiment i'm like all in yeah, yeah. It takes place in, in in an era where like the church dominates everyone's life, basically. And, you know, there's dialogue where like uh, in the very beginning, there's a character who talks to the anchoress through the wall and has like more intimate conversations than anyone else does. Yeah. So it's sort of like kind of a taste or even a temptation of the outside world. And they talk about like, you know, have you read any plays? And she and the main character's like, oh, no, like. I, is that like, you know, I, I consider that almost almost blasphemous, like the idea of people <laughs> pretending to be someone else. Yeah. Um, and it's such an interesting detail. because It's like a, it's so weird to think that there was a time where like plays were considered possibly sacrilegious. Yeah. But the way the characters are talking feels so modern and just the flow of the dialogue. Right. And also she's pretending to be somebody else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, that's foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's really really cool. I would recommend it. Uh, if if any of this sounds interesting to you, give it a shot. Um, it's it's a really cool experience. Yeah, I'm I will check it out. Uh, I I feel like that and Pizza Tower kind of my homework after this episode. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dramatically different experiences, yeah. but they're both really good. They're basically at what they're the same. Yeah, I, I would say Misericord is the Pizza Tower of of kinetic novels for sure. <laughs> Tower is pretty kinetic. I would say kinetic. They're Kineticism. Both, yeah, they're both very kinetic games. You're right. That's the link. <laughs> that's the link. And that's what the whole episode is about. Kineticism. Yeah. Do you want to take a break and then come back and talk about another kinetic game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do I follow this weird kinetic bit? Uh, yeah, let's take a break and uh, talk about Resident Evil. AJ, can you put an ad for like connects in here as the break? <laughs> I feel like we grew up in a time where there were a lot of like competing brands that put in their marketing why the other alternative sucks like Nintendo and Sega yeah. obviously like we just did our bonus about uh, we recorded a bonus about Mario All Stars and like that era was so much of like Sega versus Nintendo yeah um and I feel like Lego and Connects I don't know if it was in their marketing but I just feel like every every kid I met who was a Connects head like really tried to lie to themselves that like, yeah, this Ferris wheel was worth it. Like this connects <laughs> Ferris wheel is better than Lego in every way. The like, only one that was incredible was the roller coaster. Like I, yeah. I knew the one kid that had the connects roller coaster and that was like the raddest shit of all time. <laughs> and then outside of that was like, well, you don't have star Wars. So I don't Conne- know. Yeah. Connects is really the proto zoom for being real. <laughs> it's like you just made the wrong choice every now and then there's a wrong choice. <laughs> sorry <laughs> i feel like have you ever have you ever seen a situation where society made the wrong choice like the, <laughs> the one that that always sticks out to me and this is like for like me and eight people in the world but uh it, there was a time like 2008 2009 ish i would mm-hmm. say when uh we, we saw the rise of a lot of different social networks and 
one of the categories of social network was like location based check in apps where like everyone remembers Foursquare, like you would go and become like the mayor oh, yeah. of a place, quote unquote. There was another that. one that was competing with Foursquare that was called Gowalla that was like far and away the better app in every single way. And then everyone leaned into Foursquare and Gowalla just like went under and it really made me sad. Society chose the Zune and society and chose we, the fucking Zune. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Well, on that note, let's take a break and come back with Resident Evil. Now society chose Yelp, which <laughs> is like the third even worse option. <laughs> I feel like nobody even talks about Foursquare anywhere. And, and for some reason, Yelp is still in the public consciousness. Why are we why are we giving Yelp any time of day? I, I totally forgot about people like checking their phone and just casually saying, I'm the mayor yeah. in 2009. <laughs> it was a fun era. Are you ready? Are you ready to move on? Are you still kinetically <laughs> drawn to failed apps and websites? Uh, that's really what's like going on in the back of my head. I feel like that's like the 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 uh, ticking clock inside my heart is failed apps. But we should uh, we should take a break. <laughs> that's very poetic of you. The ticking clock inside my heart. Wow. <laughs> Meerkat versus Periscope, and we went with Periscope. All right. See you. Break. See you soon. <laughs> it's for nobody. <laughs> The new snap together color coded construction set. Got some rare things on sale, stranger. That's right. We are back and we're talking about Resident Evil 4, the remake. I feel like uh, an unsaid thing from my end today is that I, I'm actually bringing a really low key energy to the show. And that's right. It's because I stayed up until two in the morning beating <laughs> Resident Evil 4 remake. You finished it? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. Oh, you teased me because you messaged me at like midnight, like. Oh, there's no way I can beat this. Uh, chapter 13 is insane. Yeah, it was. Chapter 13 was wild. Uh, <laughs> there are there are 16 chapters in the game, which I, did, I didn't realize how many there were total. Um, but when I hit chapter 13 and I knew I wasn't at the end yet, I was like, I, I think this is not going to happen for me, especially if the other ones are as long as this one was. But uh Hey, I knocked it out. Uh, I, I finished the game. I don't know why this is a trend with me in Resident <laughs> Evil games. I don't know what it is about me in Resident Evil games where like a new one comes out and I just like devour it like this. I can't not finish them. You also yeah, you beat Village in one night too. Yeah, uh, yeah. which was absurd. It was an absurd. That's a thing trip. I feel like I feel like Resident Evil Four at least kind of adheres to a similar energy. Village is all over the place, yeah. so <laughs> that must have been a disorienting evening. Yeah, I, I had a realization before this game came out that. Resident Evil 4 getting remade for me is what a lot of people you included felt about Final Fantasy 7 getting remade where like the the inevitability of a Final Fantasy 7 remake was just kind of like on the tip of everybody's tongue for like about 10 years or more you know it was longer yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I feel like everyone just kind of assumed that that would happen one day and the question was when would Square Enix finally like green light it and do it uh and I feel like Advent Children just really like put fuel on the fire there but with Resident yeah. Evil, it's been much more like in our face that Resident Evil 4 would get remade eventually, right? Because they remade one way back when, but then they remade two in this like kind of new updated style that like did really, really well. People really love that game. I would even argue that that was like taking Resident Evil 2 and shoving it into the play style of Resident Evil 4 in a lot of ways. 
if, or like Biohazard too. I mean, because I feel like that was like uh, Resident Evil Seven or Biohazard like resurrected the series yeah. and also kind of went back to the horror roots. And I feel like Resident Evil Two Remake is a even more like horror first version of that game. Yeah, but in terms of updating the way the game played mechanically, sure. it feels yeah. a lot like Resident Evil Four. And then Resident Evil Three getting remade, kind of a similar uh, a similar thing. And then Resident Evil Eight came out. And you and I talked about this a lot on the show, but like felt so much like a spiritual sequel to Resident Evil 4 or like a spiritual remake in a way. And it feels like now in retrospect, looking back, like the two, three remake and what they did with seven and eight was really just all leading up to remaking four. It almost feels like this was the end goal of everything that came before, which is obviously not the case. All these things should be taken as individual pieces of media and they're all great in their own respect um although i haven't played three i've, I've heard mixed stuff about three but uh I, I feel like generally speaking you and i talk very highly about this era of capcom like capcom is just on a completely different level than everybody else right now like it's just hit after hit after hit across every like major franchise they own like yeah <laughs> they just haven't fucked up really at all even the resident evil 3 remake which again i've heard mixed stuff about there are people who like really go to bat oh yeah for it, it still, it still did well did. yeah, yeah. It just wasn't like if it's not hailed as a all timer, it's it's a lesser hit in Capcom's yes, recent streak. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the fact that there was one that was a little bit less than like perfectly received started the maybe the Resident Evil 4 remake won't be good uh, like germ of an idea in a lot of people's heads. Like the, the idea that there was a, a hypothetical bad remake of Resident Evil 4 started to kind of spread around like like a plague. Um, but I I was pretty confident, as with Square Enix and Final Fantasy 7, that you don't remake a thing this beloved and then fuck it up. You don't release it if it's bad. I It feels like the, the easiest slam dunk of all time to not fuck this up. And I can say after finishing it now, I think it's brilliant. I think it is like... I mean, it's easily the best game I've played this year, in in my opinion. It, it's like the one to beat for me. Uh, I also have like a huge love for the original Resident Evil 4. So I, I'm, I'm definitely coming at this from like a very biased perspective. But I've been looking forward to this for, I mean, as long as it's been an idea. Um, and I could not be happier with how they pulled it off. I know you, on the other hand, were a little bit more skeptical of this existing. Yeah, that the great segue. I was uh, not to come in as the siskel to your Ebert here, but I uh, no, I think this will make for a good conversation. Yeah, I um, I wasn't like worried. Like I figured it would be fun, mm-hmm. but I was worried if it was going to be like interesting or or what it sort of represented. Because I think even now, like when you look at a lot of the reviews for this game, th- there's sort of two sentiments. I, and obviously, you know, I don't want to flatten everyone's response to this game but a lot of the reviews that i've read have either said like it's perfect or it's perfect but what's the future for this series you know where Mm. do you go from here um and that's a good question to ask and that's sort of like you know my my mindset with resident evil 4 is that resident evil 4 has held up so well and unlike one and two which are you know still great to experience on their own and i do i would argue that there is something enhanced uh with the sort of clunky controls and the ps1 look of it but like those are good candidates to be remade (laughs) right like there there is a reason why i think two specifically like i think there you know two two's remake 
felt like FF7's remake, where like both of those games were classics mm-hmm. that were limited by the hardware at the time and have now kind of taken a new form that exists alongside the original. But 4, I mean, 4 as a game not only saved <laughs> there's weird like ebbs and flows of resident evil where there's like the the game that resurrects the entire franchise yeah and four was that i mean four um took a radically different approach to the game it was much more action focused but still was a horror game it still tasked you with the sort of resource management that i think adds a lot to the fun and to the suspense of resident evil you know, I think the best Resident Evil games have those distinct planning phases and then, uh, you know, like, okay, what do I bring with me from the item chest? How much ammo do I have? Where do I go next? Mm-hmm. And how do I do based on what I have? Right. Um, and I think Ford is a great job, like making it a little bit more House of the dead for lack of a better word. <laughs> but it's also like you've got to still be smart with your ammo. Like it, you don't be tricked by this like, arcade glowing drops of ammo and items like it's still not enough um and i think like in the original uh eventually one of the strategies i always have in that game is like there is a weapon that i just have to choose not to invest in yes. if i take all of them then i'm going to be spread way too thin it was always the tmp more on that later <laughs> so yeah all this to say like i figured you know i didn't worry I wasn't worried about the quality because, again, Capcom has been doing so well. And I think Resident Evil 4 is such a strong base that it was going to be fun to play. Mm -hmm. But I guess just more on like a creative level, it's like, well, why are we remaking this? You know, I think it is not as easy of a subject for a remake because, again, it's held up so well and has influenced not only the series, but like games as a whole. Like, again, when we talked about it last, like you can see Resident Evil 4's impact on all the Sony first-party stuff, like God of War especially. Um, So I was just sort of suspicious of, like, what is a remake going to really bring to this? Um, And I have not finished it. I I just got to the castle, so I just finished sort of the first act of the game right and it's really impressive i i think on it's it is i think kind of a good comparison to make with ff7 remake because i think both of those remakes have this sort of mix of there are moments that are one-to-one with the original and it's really fun to see them in an under a new lens Mm -hmm. there are other moments that are essentially the same story beat but they're done differently and then there are moments that are completely new. Yeah. And to me, that's a good enough mix that like it works really well as a remake because, again, it's not just replacing one to one the original. And it's also kind of showing like not only is it kind of reminding us what made Resident Evil 4 great, but it's also kind of celebrating the games that have come out between then and now. Yeah. You know, there there is a lot of like you can tell like we are playing this game post Minecraft because there's so much crafting with like the ammo and stuff. Like that was always a staple in Resident Evil, but I just think there are some things that have now entered the vocabulary of games that are entering this remake in a really clever way. Like and them drilling down on, you know, I think the inventory screen was one of the best additions to the franchise because again there's always been that planning phase but actually essentially playing tetris when you're planning on what you're bringing with you or what you have to leave behind was so fun it made what would be busy work into a little game in and of itself yeah and this game being like well now you can actually choose which case you have what passive 
buff it gives you and also you can unlock charms by winning games of pirate target practice that will <laughs> like i have a i have a charm of a chicken on my on my suitcase that makes eggs fully recover my health these are very silly additions but like i think it just shows kind of what an encore and what a celebration of the game this remake is yeah um and i also think they took an opportunity to sort of not like erase the mistakes of the original, but I think that they're clearly tackling some things from a different angle. So I think overall they've done this great thing where like they upped the horror, but they kept Leon the like Kurt Russell, uh, one liner <laughs> guy. And it's yes. perfect. Yeah. I think also uh, I just recently got Ashley and I think one of the things that has not really held up well at all with the original is just sort of the treatment of Ashley in general. Like mm-hmm. I like her as a character, but I think there's like, some pretty sexist moments in that game and just some like misogynistic undertones about how she even operates as a character. Right. I think that this game handles her much better. And I actually like her presence because she kind of reminds us how horrific what's happening is. Cause yeah. by the time we get Ashley, we've been playing as Leon for at least like five hours and hearing like a normal person's response to what's happening around us like reminds us, oh yeah this is a nightmare yeah this is like it's amazing terrifying. how unfazed leon is by so much of what's happening because of yeah. what he's seen since the earlier games uh where you know he will throw a one-liner at a big horrific monster the first time he sees it instead of being like what the fuck is that he's like hey big guy you know yeah <laughs> uh so i mean I, all I, to just, say, sorry to double back the ashley stuff is so on point i mean they they like totally revitalized that character i think because she i totally agree with you she was definitely painted with a more like almost misogynistic lens in the original which like can't be ignored um and and yeah. the over sexualization of like who is a, essentially a kid um it was like really fucked up and, and is one of the worst pieces of the original i think um, and, and one of the things that doesn't hold up really at all. And in this game, she has like way more agency, even just like from a from a mechanic standpoint, the ability to be like, hey, stick close to me or hang further back, depending on the encounter that you're in. Or like, I need you to hide in this spit in this spot for a little while while this is happening or things like that. But even on top of that, her writing and and characterization is like on a completely different level than it was in the original, where you can you can almost feel her over the course of the game start to open up to Leon a little bit more and be more trusting of him and less of like this situation sucks and more this situation sucks but I think Leon is actually the guy that will get me through it yeah and and they're they're like budding almost respect for one another over the course of the game I think is really really a huge plus up from the first game yeah it kind of feels more akin to like a last of us or yeah. like even god of war where like it's about both of them and not just like ashley is is sort of something you have to worry about right um or tell to hide in a dumpster for because like at two the, hours. <laughs> we've talked i forget when we talked about this recently but i feel like at the time that the original resident evil 4 came out we were still in the era of like any game with an escort mission you just like hated like everyone yeah. would just like dunk on game facts forums about escort missions and then Resident Evil 4 came out and almost feels like that game was built from the ground up to be like, we know you hate escort missions, but what about this one? You know, and and mostly hit the mark, I think, in the original for the most part. I think mechanically they did a good job. It's yeah. more just like the undertones and the and the writing that that fails. Yeah. But then even since then, even after Resident Evil 4 kind of like proving how you can do it well, a bunch of other games still stumbled 
you know, in trying to figure it out. And then you get to that like next wave of games that are like all escort missions. I feel like we're just like in escort mission heaven at this point, you know, with like the last of us stuff, even God of war to a certain extent with your like second character that you have with you, um, who you need to like, you know, check up on and stuff. Uh, Bioshock infinite, I I think is another great example with Elizabeth. I I just feel like that, that design problem kept coming up over and over again, even though the original kind of like got it right. But what I really appreciate is that this remake takes a lot of what worked in a lot of those other games that have done escort missions well. And it feels closer to like a last of us situation than anything else. So like you are, you do need to keep an eye on Ashley. You need to make sure that she doesn't die, obviously. But like if she gets hit, she gets quote unquote incapacitated for a bit. And as long as you like protect her or like get over to her and help her up, like she'll be fine. So you're not, it's not just like a one and done situation. It's not like Ashley gets hit once by a zombie and then like the game is over and you need to go to your last save. It's like you have a little bit more leeway, which I think makes the entire situation feel more tense, but also more like something you can overcome. Yeah, I, I like to like the main mechanic with Ashley is if you tap R3 or like hit the right joystick, you can tell her to either stay close to you or like go in her own direction. And that also feels like how this situation would be handled. Like, yeah, there's actually some moments of, of comedy where like Leon will tell her to hide in like a dumpster or a locker. And she's like, no, like, yeah. why would I? <laughs> and it, it's, it's fun. Like, I think they, they have some restraint with being too, you know, like winking at the original, but there are some fun moments where I think they kind of recognize like the shortcomings of the first game. Mm-hmm. All this to say, I think that this game really proved me, not proved me wrong, but I think it just showed me that this remake is, is, a kind of strong enough to to sort of warrant existing and also doing things differently enough to feel like a new entry. Yeah. And in terms of like what's next, I mean, you know, on one hand, like spiritually, I think this could be the last Resident Evil game. If we weren't in a capitalist society, like this could <laughs> just be like the swan song of the entire series. Um, I don't want that to be clear. And that won't happen also to be clear. Um, but I, in terms of what they do next, I mean, the thing is I would be more worried about that if we were only getting remakes, you know, like if, if Resident Evil six happened and then the next three games were two, three and four, mm-hmm. then I would be like, all right, Capcom, like, what are you doing? But the fact that we got biohazard and village. And when you look at all of those games, even though three of them are remakes, like they're all pretty different. Like biohazard feels way more, like a a survival horror game like the the action part of it is not really the focus yeah and if anything when it gets to that it feels less strong than the opening where you had fewer items mm-hmm. um that game almost feels more on the silent hill like chart than resident evil yeah um village i think was a nice amuse-bouche of styles and for i mean it just it the the way this game plays and feels and the, and the use I'm playing on PS5 and the the use of the controller which is nice to see it, it feels perfect mm. it feels like one of the best shooters I've ever played that's saying something because I think like I don't know, we live in a time where Destiny Two exists you know and <laughs> and this remake of a GameCube game like Resident Evil Four still feels great and I think like there are things that that game did so well that I, I love that, that haven't really carried forward. Like the reload animations in the original four are so fun and so unique to yeah. each weapon. And they nailed that here. And just like the, like e- even the independent shotguns feel differently. I was going to say, with I, the feedback. I think you, yeah. you know that they nailed the, the way the gunplay feels when each pistol, you could feel the difference immediately as soon as you start using yeah. it in like a really major way. 
I, I played for last year, but I didn't get super far in my replay. Um, and I don't remember, like, I do remember that there are, there are moments where you can kind of explore and veer from the path, but this game seems to be taking like a God of War 2018 or Uncharted Lost Legacy approach at exploration, which I think is really cool. Like once you get the boat after you fight the lake monster, Mm -hmm. you can kind of just explore and go treasure hunting. And I think that openness really benefits the game. And I think, again, kind of shows like where design has gone since 2005. Yeah, the the little like blue notes that give you side quests and stuff that like totally weren't in the original game at all. And and usually the side quests will be like like very almost uh, early RPG stuff like please go kill these five rats or, uh, you know, go shoot these five medallions out that are like just hidden throughout the level. Um, but some of them are like please go extremely out of your way to go fight this mini boss that we just decided to include in this one area that you've already been to, but now you need to figure out how to double back and backtrack there and then, you know, waste all your ammo trying to kill this thing, um, which is really fun. I, I did all of those. I did all of the, um, all of the side quests in my, in my gameplay. Um, and, or at least all the ones that I found, maybe, maybe there were some I didn't see, uh, but they were all I mean, they all reward you with the same thing. It's like th- these little gems that you can use to trade with the merchant for like random stuff. Uh, but I love the incorporation of that stuff in here because for people who are like on a more completionist bent, you can kind of have a more in-depth and longer playthrough that I feel like will be more rewarding if you give it that. But then also because it's all completely optional, you could just whiz by it if you're trying to like get a high score by the end of the game. Yeah, and I, I guess... The thing that I that I've sort of been swayed on and, you know, my original skepticism about this game being remade, like I think the legacy of Final Fantasy seven largely is narrative. So I think that like remaking that kind of served a clear purpose where it's like we're going to bring this story to a modern audience mm-hmm. um, who may be put off by the you know PS1 of it all. Um, but the legacy of Resident Evil 4 is largely mechanical. I mean, we love the camp and the Leon one-liners, but like, that's not the reason to remake it. Um, or at least I, I could be swayed, but that's not the reason <laughs> that comes to mind. Right. So I'm like, if this game's legacy is the mechanical impact it had at the time, what does a remake even do? Yeah. Like, what does a remake do now? And, and again, it's, it plays so well that I do think this remake will also have a lasting impact on game design. And I think we're also just in a time where, a lot of the inspiration going forward is coming from the past. Like I think a lot of games, again, going back to Elden Ring, are are looking at sort of the PS2 GameCube era and seeing like what was done there that we've kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. You know, at, you know, in in a decade of like Skyrim influenced open world games, like what has been lost when that was sort of like the go to model. Yeah. So I I think that this game is going to have a really positive impact. I think it just reminds us how fun a a triple a game can be and also how fun resident evil can be and and what they do next they have a lot of options to choose from like they could they could follow up you know i i think you could do this style and this is the this is where five and six went wrong but you can do this style of action game in a new setting with new characters and it will probably be a blast but i also think that they've shown that they can do like very very horror focused stuff and in my opinion i think the best way to follow this would to be doing something more akin to biohazard or what was sort of marketed in the shadows of rose dlc where it's like maybe you know now that you've proven you can do action really well maybe now 
have the next entry be more of a classic you have no power horror game mm. i don't know they, i think they've just proven that they can do all styles really well and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a capcom ad i just i really do think that the series has a bright future given what we've seen in recent years yeah i feel like I, there are already rumblings that resident evil 9 is in the works so like the big question is what is that going to be and i imagine it'll probably be similar to seven and eight in terms of like its first person perspective yeah. if i were to guess um but i'm really curious to see if they want to remake five given all of the oh. all the weird bullshit about that game uh it feels like the it feels like the one that is maybe the most primed for a remake because there's so much that needs to change to make that even like worth doing. yeah but, but like it's also like you want there to be some kind of reverence for the original material and i just think like five and six maybe should just be left in the past although we do have an interest in playing six eventually yeah but I, I do wonder. I mean, there are other like <laughs> if they want to be really weird, they could be like, we're bringing back Resident Evil Survivor, baby. We're going to the spinoffs. Yeah, honestly, um, maybe like one thing that's notably absent from this game is the uh, the DLC side story from the original Resident Evil 4 where you play as Ada Wong. Um, oh, yeah. Which is like kind of running around and it, it's almost like a Lion King one and a half situation where it's like. <laughs> That's you know, true. you see Ada throughout the story, but uh, you get to like play and fill in the gaps in terms of what she's actually doing while she's there. Um, oh, and you have great chats with Wesker. Who, yeah, like, Wesker is maybe one of the hammiest characters in fiction, and I love whenever he shows up. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like may- maybe that could be its own full game if they wanted it to be. You know, maybe it doesn't need to be DLC for this or something. Like they could do that if they wanted to. One one note that I just wanted to bring up that I think is really important to touch on in terms of this whole conversation about like, why does this exist in the first place? And I remember, I, I think I said this on, on DLC back when they first announced that they were doing this at a resident evil event, but this is kind of the best case scenario for a remake also, because Capcom has been so diligent about porting the original onto everything. Yeah. Like this is, this is very clearly not meant to replace the original, because if that were the case, the original would no longer exist. It's not it's not like a Grand Theft Auto situation where they like remade them all as the trilogy and then also removed the originals off of storefronts. So you can't buy them anymore. This is like not only can you go buy the original and play it almost exactly as is on most things, but they're also even experimenting with the original like you can get it on the Meta Quest and play it in VR now. They obviously like had the had the um, the Wii version that allowed you to like move and shoot and aim with a light yeah. gun. This is like if they remade Skyrim, like it's that level of like the original game is so yeah. strongly available that this is like it feels like an encore. Yeah, which is really fun. That's kind of that's I, kind of the, yeah. the bigger thing for me. That's like why I so don't mind that they even decided to remake this is because totally. it's so available that like. Yeah, if in the worst case scenario, this game comes out and it sucks and it feels awful, like, cool, I'll just go play the original. It's also available on the same console that I'm playing the remake on. Exactly. And I, I think we pointed this out at the time, but it's eerie how the opposite situation is true with the upcoming Silent Hill 2 remake, <laughs> where there is no legal way to get Silent Hill 2. And I, I am very open to be proven wrong by that game. I, I hope it's good. I don't wish ill on it. But I'm very skeptical. Like I'm skeptical of that game's quality. Yeah. Because I do think that with Silent Hill 2, it does feel like that game's success is like tethered to that era. But there's something about like playing that on a on a barely working PS2 mm-hmm. that adds to the horror. And I, <laughs> I wonder if you clean that up too much, if it loses a lot of its impact. Yeah. Uh, on that note, actually, I, I will say there is a section of Resident Evil 4 Remake that 
so scary that I was playing at like, I don't know, 11 p.m. or midnight. That was like really actually like brutally scary to the point that I almost went to sleep. Uh, I was like, maybe maybe I should just stop. But I, I pushed through it. But I, I f- was surprised to see that this game was so capable of leaning so hard into horror so late in the game when you have so much available to you. I, I don't want to say too much and, and spoil it, but just in terms of this game being able to kind of prove that that Capcom and the Resident Evil team are like really able to do whatever they want with this franchise, like the, it could be full action, it could be horror, etc., um, I feel like Resident Evil 8 was a really great example of that because it was almost set up like Disney World in a way, or, or I guess Magic Kingdom specifically, where it's like they have all of these different lands that you can go visit that are all different versions of horror. You know, there's like the full on action experience. There's the kind of more like stealth uh, horror experience. And then there's the just like straight up paranormal. You have absolutely nothing going for you and everything is scary stuff as well. That section sticks with me. Yeah, me too. uh, That might be the the most scared I've been by a video game is that section of Resident Evil Village. Yeah, I I remember distinctly when we first brought it up, I I hadn't gotten to that section yet. So I foolishly was like, the game's like not that scary. It's like kind of more silly. And you're like, Steven, (laughs) just 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 wait. wait. (laughs) uh, And I mean, I was right up until that point and after that point. But that little like shot glass of horror was was fucked up yeah and and Um, we said this at the time but and and i've already said it but resident evil 8 in a lot of ways feels like kind of a spiritual successor to resident evil 4 like it's kind of taking a lot of the set pieces of 4 and remixing them and turning them into their own discrete areas with their own identities to be clear it's not just like a ripoff of 4 it's not like they just did 4 again but there are certain areas that like really, really harken back to things that happened in four in like yeah. really direct ways that are fun if you kind of know that history. Even the Duke kind of references that he like knows the merchant. Yes. Which I mean, the merchant makes a glorious return in this one, and he's somehow even better. I love, I the, love merchant the merchant in the remake. Yeah, he's so there's good. a lot more options. So like you one, I don't know if you could do this in the original, but you can sell key items that are no longer like be, like yeah. if you've already used them and the point you needed them you can sell them which i think every game should do yeah like why do i have to hang on to like the used warehouse key um <laughs> just let the merchant melt it down and make something uh, but there are and this i think this is in the original but there are a lot of treasures you find that have like slots you can put gemstones in so there's kind of like a risk reward of like when do you want to sell it like do you want to wait to like fill it with gems and sell it for like a huge amount mm-hmm. or do you just need the cash now and you're going to sell it and get like 6000 I think this is a good a good time to bring up like this is still a video game ass video game and yeah, there there yeah. is so much reverence for just like the arcadey nature of the original Resident Evil 4 and and I think that's really as somebody who played that game like a lot a lot I I I don't know the exact number, but it's well over like 40 times that I beat that original game. Wow. The interesting thing about Resident Evil in general, but I I think four really nailed this is like at a certain point when you start to know the game, like the back of your hand, not really speed running it per se, but like once you really understand the ins and outs of everything, it becomes an arcade score chase game. The further into it you get, which is really cool because at the end of the game, they roll credits and then they show you like, here's your score. And then they rank you as if you're like playing DDR at an arcade. Like, or Pizza Tower. Or Pizza Tower, yeah. Kinetic. 
connects. That is not lost at all in this game. In fact, in a lot of ways, I think they understand that people loved replaying four so much that they just added more of that to this. And a lot of that yeah. comes from things like seeing and deciding which gems you're going to insert into the key treasures you're finding or all of the like ammo pickups you find around the ground or, you know, uh, tracking your accuracy at the end of every mission and things like that it honestly reminds me and this maybe is a weird comparison but because they're totally different genres but I, I i'm reminded of yakuza in the sense of like a game that embraces being a video game yeah. and the parts of it that are especially video gamey are almost there to add levity mm-hmm. you know i think that there's there's something about a zombie having a glowing power up on the ground or like like you're fighting this woman with a bandaged head wielding a chainsaw and there's nothing lighthearted about this moment in time. Yeah. But the minute she goes down, she drops a big diamond and that's <laughs> almost like a breath of fresh air. Like, Oh yeah, I'm playing a video game. Yeah, exactly. And I, I not to get, you know, I don't, I, I think you can, you can highlight why this works without putting other games down. But I do think in, you know, recent years, a lot of the AAA games almost resent being a game. And there's been a lot of effort in like hiding the gamier parts of it. Yeah. Something that I really did like about the first God of War in 2018 was that like it loved being a game. And when you kill a giant dragon, it just bursts into Diablo <laughs> equipment, you know? Um, like, I don't think yeah. every game needs to do that. Not every game's tone is met by having these arcade elements. But I, I think like, and this kind of ties into what I was saying about a lot of games looking to the GameCube and PS2 era for inspiration is like, you know, like, don't forget the strength of the medium. Like, don't forget what you can accomplish by being a game. Like, obviously, it's great to have a game that is cinematic and film like, but I think you need to kind of play to to a medium strength. Mm. And I think Resident Evil 4 does that by I mean, you know, especially at the time, it was a cinematic game. Uh, it's not like narratively rich, but it is like a fun romp. Like it is a fun story. Yeah. Um, and I think it shows that you can have that. I mean, again, too, like the different areas almost reference different stages of horror movies where like, right. There's something inherently Romero about the village and like the, the part of the game that I just played in the remake. That's one of my favorite moments in RE4 and kind of the moment I realized it was a masterpiece was when you're in the cabin and you have to board up the windows and just like survive yeah. as, and, and you know, that's like proto left for dead stuff, mm-hmm. right? That's like, it's such a fun setup for a game and it feels so organic because the enemy's AI is reacting to what you do. So the minute you've boarded up all the windows and gone upstairs, this dude with the bull head just smashes the window with a hammer. Right. And like, it really feels like you're playing through that moment in a movie. Yeah. But you're still playing it. You're not just watching it, which is a big distinction there. One of the really cool things that I forgot about the original Resident Evil 4 and one of the big marketing points of that game that had totally slipped my mind until I was like halfway through this game, the the like adaptive difficulty that happens in that game, which I, I yeah. completely forgot about. But th- the way that worked in the original Resident Evil 4 is that based on how well you were doing on your playthrough, the game would be uh, more or less stringent with dropping materials from enemies and in like crates and stuff that you're busting open so in a lot of cases like if you're doing really well anytime you bust open a crate that you see it'll just be money and it won't be any ammo for anything that you have because the game is trying to make you like strapped for resources i think the same is true in this game as well it feels like it yeah i actually get nervous whenever i'm like oh i'm doing pretty okay i'm like yeah don't like it you you blow through your savings in a second in this game yes like 
especially, I mean, I'm trying to make the TMP work this time. And I'm the TMP I'm, is the submachine gun for those of you who haven't played. Yeah, I always that was my dump weapon. I just would sell all the ammo. The thing that this game does that I think is really cool is that you actually have more of a direct say in what ammo appears. One, your different suitcases can influence like the drop rate of certain things. Um, and you are also more likely sometimes to find gunpowder and various other crafting materials. So you can actually craft the type of ammo that you need. So like, yeah. whereas in four, you kind of got like a sampler platter of all the ammo. So by not using the TMP, I could just sell whenever I found TMP ammo. But in this game, it, 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 you kind of have more of a control over what ammo is appearing and what you make. Yeah. I think the game is also keeping track of what weapons you actually have on you and giving you ammo for that stuff or not. Because yeah. I, I, at a certain point I just didn't find submachine gun ammo ever again. Uh, and I just, I'd never had the submachine gun on me, so they just didn't give it to me. The TMP is great. I, I mean, obviously it's great for crowds and it was excellent for that hiding in the house part of the game. Cause oh, you're just I'm getting sure. flooded. So you can just, you know, mow down a whole crowd, but it's That's also good especially good at, triggering the melee uh ability so like ah. if you kind of do a small burst you can go and do leon's signature roundhouse kick that is more lethal than a magnum yeah uh <laughs> and they'll just be down i also have you done a suplex int- yet i have not but I, I i forgot to add that this game introduced parry and stealth mechanics yeah that i often forget are there but they're so fun when you pull them off and I'll, i mean that's something that i love about the original is like you know you'll see someone throw like a hatchet at you and you can shoot it out of midair mm-hmm. like it's a very interactive game in that way yeah and adding the ability to like block a chainsaw with your combat knife is so cool <laughs> and gives you a little bit like you actually are able like i imagine there will instantly be like knife only runs on youtube for this game i'm sure and i actually think they've they've made it like a pretty viable strategy mm. Uh, at least in some moments though there is knife durability this time so like you know they actually might rule that out <laughs> but still uh, you have like your combat knife which you can repair for a fee at the merchant and then you have kitchen knives which are just knives you find that kind of akin to uh or similar to resident evil 2's remake and i think village uh if you get like attacked by a zombie you can like if you have one on you you can just stick a knife in their neck and and escape their clutches yeah uh which is awesome and it, it's cool too like i i think having moments where they kind of cite the original like this game clearly is very proud of what capcom did with the original game mm-hmm. but i think it's like it's fun to see you know going back to sort of the trio of, of the different kinds of scenes that are here it's fun to see like where they are like directly shouting out a moment like you get excited when you're like oh wait is this going to be the same scene yeah which I won't spoil which ones are, are which, but, and there are even some heightenings of those moments. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a bit in the YouTube video I, I threw up about uh, playing chapter one where I'm just like screaming, waiting for Leon to say the line at the end of the yep. first chapter, uh, which is uh-huh. like one of the highlights for me. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's incredible. I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I think this is definitely one of the best games I've played in a long time. It's just so fun. Yeah. Which is a silly thing to say, but it's like, I can't stop playing it. And I'm having the best time. It just is great. It's a great time. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it is that simple. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, I, I think I'm at this point where like, I learned recently, thanks to somebody in the Discord who told me that I, if you get uh, the original Resident Evil 4 on Steam Deck, you can use the gyroscope and essentially like bring back the Wii motion aiming. Oh, and I am really curious to do that and give that a shot because I, ha- I haven't played through the original in 
eons. Like I, I think since my first like real obsession with it on the Wii way back when, um, I was like, I should probably put this down maybe forever. But I am curious to check out that that Steam version because I, I do kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit. That having been said, I mean, I'm done with my first run and I'm absolutely about to do New Game Plus. Specifically, I kind of want to just do it as quickly as possible because I it took me like, I, I, I forget, I have the screenshot on my phone. I'm not going to look it up now, but I think it was like 20 to 24-ish hours on my first playthrough because I was like really doing a lot. Like I was really just like doing everything that i could find um and i want to see how quickly i can go through it because i've seen screenshots of people finishing the game in like four hours or less and i'm like wow fascinated by how that's even possible <laughs> i think you probably need to have unlocked a lot of the weapons and like upgraded them enough the, yeah. the wonderful thing if you don't know this about resident evil is that when you finish any of these games when you jump into new game plus you just start with all of the equipment you had in the last run and that includes like all the upgrades and all the money you have and all of your resources and stuff um so I, I jumped right before we started recording. I jumped in and tried to see if I could make it through that first like rush of, of villagers in that first opening bit. Um, and I did very quickly because my pistol is upgraded enough that I have like a, a shitload of ammo. Uh, and also each shot takes out a villager immediately in one shot uh, because, you know, the, the further into the game you get, the more resilient the enemies become. But those initial villagers really go down in one hit with a fully upgraded red nine. Yeah, they also I love the red nine. They also do an interesting thing where like the original Resident Evil four, one of the big reveals is like pretty early on. If you like get a headshot, some of the infected uh, will have like these disturbing worm creatures within them mm-hmm. that like you'll do a headshot, but then they get up and they have this like swerving tentacle with like blades on it and they'll take a few more hits before they can go down but they have like they're really dangerous that they have insane range and they can take you out like in one hit yeah this game builds up to those in a very interesting way where there are some zombies that will like get back up but their head is just crooked yeah and you're like is this it Yeah, you never like, know are for we sure do- yeah are we doing this yet and there's also a thing where you can kind of like some enemy you know they're dead if they drop like a power up or if they stop moving but some will start twitching when they're on the ground and you can run over and use one of your knives, your combat knife to just take them out before they transform, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It kind of reminds me of what the first resident evil did with the crimson heads where like whenever you kill the zombie in that game, if you didn't burn the corpse or decapitate them, they would respawn as scary zombies that could run and have claws. <laughs> <laughs> So like there was almost a that game really wanted you to avoid combat entirely. And if you did make sure you have the right resources to take care of that Mm -hmm. before it becomes an issue, which that's like I think it works for that game because the game is much more of a horror focused experience. But I think for a more action game, the idea of like, do I want to use a knife to just remove this or do I have the ammo and like the range to take them out if they like it's a nice decision to make in that moment. Yeah. We're we're late into this segment, but I, I feel like we should kind of maybe answer the question for people uh, that I'm sure is on top of a lot of people's minds if they haven't played either of these games. I do think you should start with this one. I don't think yeah. I don't think you need to have played the original to appreciate why this one is good. And and I think this one is probably easier to get into than the original would be. Yeah, I agree. I think if you like are interested in game history, like eventually check out the first one. Yeah. But I think if you're just like if you haven't played four, this is this is a great way to do yeah. it. Yeah, um, there's and just I know so much stuff that they've improved on. Yeah, it's a little bit like 
the Shadow of the Colossus remake, where it's, again, I don't want one to replace the other, but it's like, this is like the way to play it, and the other one is around if you want to see like where it all began. Yeah. The one thing I can't stop thinking about is just how good the boss fights are in this game. Oh, yeah. that That's actually, that was one big uh shortcoming of village yeah. was the bosses were like like that dude with the airplane head was like so boring <laughs> it was like 40 minutes of like i get it like yeah you've got an airplane head. yeah just um, charging back and forth yeah and and in a lot of cases the bosses sometimes reduce the horror like it's like okay this is so silly i don't even care anymore yeah but like when you fight uh the big cheese in this game like his <laughs> His monstrous boss form is like so gross mm-hmm. that it's at least tense. Yeah. Even if they're not scary, they're exciting. And they really do utilize like uh, like there are a number of different ways you can deal with the boss. Yeah. Like the first boss fight, like, you know, you could you could use your rifle at a certain point or you could like get good at like uh, when they get close, you can like wait for those moments to use like a more close range weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool. They they let you approach it kind of however you want. Yeah. And they all kind of lean on the knife, which I really appreciate too. Like, yeah, the knife is like your moment. Like the weak point is is open. Now you gotta use the knife. Yeah, which I, I really love. Um that that boss fight that you were just alluding to, uh, the big cheese. Um <laughs> I had this realization like halfway through that fight that it was literally just the target practice game that the merchant set up, but as a boss fight, yeah. which honestly I thought was incredible. I was like, this is, yeah. this is maybe one of the best things I could have done for this boss. It was so cool. Yeah. I, uh, they don't call him the big cheese directly in this game, which was one of my major complaints, but like, <laughs> I just remember in the original, like, you know, like I think Louis, Louis calls him as a joke, like, ah, the big cheese. Yeah. And then Leon, for the rest of the game, is like, I've cornered the big cheese. Like, as if it's like, he's like so used to everything having, having a, like a name. call he's sign. Like, yeah. Condor here, me and Baby Eagle just neutralized the big cheese. Uh, it's like, all right, man. I gave him sunglasses, which I'm obsessed with. Oh, yeah. And I also, I got the deluxe version, so I have the, like, kind of Monte Cristo clothes. Mm-hmm. So that with the sunglasses is peak Leon. Oh, that's it's an incredible. That's look. wonderful. Yeah, I was using the uh the bomber jacket for most of it. Uh oh, nice. which is really fun. We we were talking off the show about this, but I, what I love is that if Leon gets killed with a chainsaw, he respawns with like the gaping wound of the chainsaw. <laughs> and then it like fades away slowly because I think the idea is like if you get hit with stuff, like the the damage is supposed to fade away, but I it was so funny every time I died to a chainsaw just spawning with like the back of this bomber jacket which has a big skull on it is just like covered in blood i'm all right yeah yeah, yeah. I, the the amount of joy that this game brought me the entire time even in moments that were like frustrating or difficult or scary i was always like grinning from ear to ear i think that's the biggest the biggest compliment i can give this game is like all of the moments that they have reverence for from the original land the way they're supposed to and everything that's new is usually subversive because it's replacing something that you were expecting and they managed to do it better. And I think that that, Absolutely. I think that that is like the ideal remake scenario, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember in the original, there's like, like they have a, there's one moment in the original game where you can choose between fighting a really big boss or going through like a really long, uh, like narrow corridor oh, yeah. full of enemies um, which is a cool choice, but I think this game actually incorporates both in a very clever mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's stuff like that. I mean, it's it's just it's just really fun. Yeah. The hype is real. I would I would highly recommend it. I think it. there's a version of this game too. Sorry to keep going, but I think there's no, I think there's a version of this game too that could have literally just been the original, but they just added some quality of life improvements and that was kind of it. You know, like 
if it was more like a, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition situation where it was like, yeah, the graphics are better, obviously, uh, but we've, you know, made it so you can move and shoot and maybe like a couple things here and there we've changed. And that probably would have been fine for most people, I think, also. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was skeptical of it being. Yeah. Like that's because that's sort of all it really asks for when you, when you're tasked with remaking a game like Resident Evil 4 that is such a classic that is so timeless yeah. in a lot of ways like what do you do to add to it and i think that's what this game impresses me the most with is like what they've added to yeah. it and what they've refined like it really it kind of feels like um uh evil dead 2 in terms of like a movie sequel that just like let's just do that again but better like mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're doing here yeah and it sounds reductive but it's it's they d- they did so well with it that it's it's really impressive yeah, the the thing that i think really sticks out to me is Resident Evil 4 has like maybe the best pacing in any video game ever. And I think that's why people want to replay it as much as they do, because it, it feels just feels almost like getting on a, on a theme park ride and just, you know, like enjoying it the entire time as it gets like more and more intense. I feel like the other Resident Evil games that have come since then, five and six are, are good examples of this, is like they've tried to recapture that magic more than once. And they haven't been able to do it. And I feel like the balancing act that four had was so tight that it's kind of hard to replicate. Eight gets pretty close in some cases. But that was that was my biggest concern, I think, about this game in general was like revisiting Resident Evil four, a game that has this tight of a of a balance and 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 pace and saying we're going to change some of that really worried me initially uh but any anything that they've changed usually ends up being for the better uh which i think is really just miraculous except for not saying the big cheese more except for not saying the big cheese yeah but there there is a i won't spoil it but there there is some big cheese content there is a there's a reference uh, in that chapter yeah Yeah. well that's all i got currently unless you had anything else you wanted to add Mm, i don't think so not at the moment uh if when you finish it we should talk about it again i yeah i'm thinking about recording my new game plus run um because I think that I think that'd be a fun way of being like, I'm not going to show you all the cutscenes because I'm going to skip them and just try and beat the game as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah. and just see how that goes. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That sounds awesome. Uh, I mean, with that, might be our first less than 90 minute episode ever. We did it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's sign off then. <laughs> now that that's the goal, I'm just I'm just impressed. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening. Into the cast that online is your hub for everything places to listen to the show and you can also review us on apple Podcasts and spotify if you really like the show uh you can support us on patreon um we have some episodes coming up that we're excited about we took a bit of a break because we just released our 3ds special um but at the start of april we have some plans that we're excited to share um so keep an eye on that space and uh that's basically it anything anything you want to highlight anything you're excited about no no not yet there's some stuff we're working on that I'm excited to talk about when we can, but uh, at the moment, nothing. Yeah, the um, I'm not sure if it's already out, but if it's not, it will be out soon. We we have already recorded the Super Mario All Stars bonus. That was a lot of fun, and then next month's bonus that's available for everyone will be Metroid Prime, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, uh, I've been holding off playing that for a long time, even though I've had it for months. At this yeah, point. I've only played like 30 minutes of it, and it was a glorious 30 minutes. And honestly, I, I think it's going to be a lot of maybe not rehashing, but a lot of kind of circling the same yeah. square that we <laughs> it's just another did GameCube here. remake. Yeah, yeah, I, I, circling the GameCube. I just think the the line between remake and remaster is so interesting, and and I'm I'm more and more curious about the ways in which that line is getting blurred. I think 
by more titles like Resident Evil 4 and Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Metroid Prime and stuff. So yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have because it's really case by case, like what is asked for and like what is necessary. Yeah. Like in the case of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, it was like we just needed it all in the same place. Yeah, like they they did a great job brushing up some some parts of the first game, but it really was just like here's the way to play it uh, that has not existed prior to this moment. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. But I think like they did the right choice by not really trying to like recreate it or change it. Cause I think there was talk about like remaking all those games. And I think in that, like, I'm not, I'm not against that one day down the road remaking mass effect, but I just think that that's not what the people wanted yeah. in this case. They just wanted to play it all, have all the DLC. That was such a segmented trilogy uh, with you know Javik being paywalled and stuff, it was like mm-hmm. now everyone can get Javik and realize what a mistake it was to make him DLC. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it is it is an interesting conversation, and it is also like the tightrope walk of of replacing games that are not as widely available as Resident Evil Four and and all that stuff. Yeah, um, so excited for that. Um, there's also just so many games coming out soon. I mean, we were talking about like, I think April is is a slightly less chaotic month, but May we get Zelda. June is Final Fantasy 16 and Street Fighter 6. Uh, it's just, this year is off to a really strong start. So I'm excited to see like how unhinged Goaty will be in 11 months. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> or nine months. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's already it's already wild. I mean, I, I just updated my yeah. backlog list of like all the contenders, and I think there's already like 15 games on there or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, look out! Look so, out for that in December. Look out for the end of the year. Um, <laughs> with that, uh, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. I am Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Not enough cash, stranger. Connects. PWG, the worst garbage, the online.